0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 4, How to Stop Yelling at Your Kids. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Before my husband and I had kids, you know, when we knew everything about parenting, a friend of mine mentioned to me one day that she was feeling some intense mom guilt. When I asked her why, she said, because I've been yelling at my kids so much lately. And though I think I hid it from her, I was a little appalled by her confession because her kids were only like two and five years old. And I thought to myself, I can understand why parents yell at sassy teenagers, but who would yell at little kids? Um, well, it turns out I would. (laughs) Because now it's seven years later and I have two little kids. And with the temper tantrums and disobedience and selective hearing and whining and sibling fighting... Sometimes I just lose it. Fortunately for me and my kids, with me today on the podcast is someone who I know is going to help us learn how to stop yelling at our kids. I know this because I, like many of you, have been following her Instagram account for the past six months or so, and I've been amazed by her wisdom and sound parenting advice. Honestly, she's one of my very favorite parenting voices on the internet. And I'm honored to introduce Ralphie from Simply On Purpose. Ralphie, thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. Good morning.
0: So as a little background on Ralphie, she is the mother of four girls, which is so fun. It's like your own little women. Yes. They range in age from three to 14. She also has a degree in early childhood education. And a year or so ago, she started an Instagram account called Simply On Purpose, where she shares life-changing principles for families, primarily through her Instagram stories. And her feed has grown incredibly fast and I'm sure will continue to do so because of the great content that she teaches there. So I just wanted to start out, Ralphie, asking if you can tell us what inspired you to start your Instagram account.
1: Well, I think it was just um, being at the right place at the right time and having these continual feelings that were tapping on my heart that I needed to reach a larger audience. And I just kept thinking, "Hmm, where are moms? Where are they? And um, where are they spending some of their downtime? And Instagram was the answer. And I, I remember right at uh, that point in my life where I was really thinking about doing it. And I, you know, was lacking a little bit of bravery. There was this speech by a man um, named Todd Christofferson. And he talked about how now is the time for people who are educated and have strong families to stop feigning neutrality and to start teaching and speaking up about how to do that. And so that was just kind of the little push that I needed to, uh, to open up and to actually just change my handle from um, my, my, a kind of family uh, Instagram feed to more of a, a having a specific purpose, mm-hmm. and I wanted to let everyday parents know that there are principles out there that will significantly increase the positivity in their home and that they're just really doable and that, uh, it just isn't meant for the people who write the parenting books to be able to do them and that they shouldn't be confusing, that they, um, should be something that's, uh, meant for everyday parents to do. And that having a loving home, um, is something that, uh, we, that is attainable for everyone.
0: I love that. And I love what you said about going where the moms are, going to
1: Instagram.
0: Because I feel like your medium of sharing is really unique, that you really only have an Instagram account and that's where you share um, a lot of advice on your stories. But I love it because that's where the moms are. And I also love to see how you engage with the community there when they ask questions, you respond and. I know I've direct messaged you a few times with specific questions and you've responded to me. And obviously, as your audience grows, you might not be able to keep that up forever, but (laughs) you have thousands of people following you and you do that, which I think is amazing and a huge blessing. And you're doing a lot of good for a lot of families. So thank you for your work with that.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And I always want to um, be able to lend a helping hand and not just say, okay, go off and do it, but really like be there to support you. And so I will try to do that as much as I can.
0: Yeah. So, um, I'm really excited to get into today's topic with you because I feel like it's one that plagues most, probably most parents and that is yelling at our kids and it's, we don't want to do it and we hate when we do it and somehow it still happens Um, and there are so many facets and principles that go into this discussion, but I asked you to just focus on one principle that would help us today and then break it down into some actionable strategies, takeaways for my listeners. So what principle are we going to be talking about today to help us to stop yelling at our kids?
1: oh yeah the 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 prerequisite to all other parenting principles is to be in control of yourself mm-hmm. um, as the parent and this is the major struggle for parents they they feel like they're standing on the sidelines helpless and that their children are running rompous around them and all over them and they have no control and no power to change the situation but um it can easily be changed and that we should not feel like victims in our own household, that we can find joy and delight in working within our homes. And if parents aren't in control of themselves, then really it's so difficult to gain control of your home because when parents can learn to control themselves and manage the environment in their homes by their own choices, not their children's choices, but through your choices as a parent, um, it really... Um, it's it allows that behavior in our children to improve dramatically and to respond to our positive role model as we model being in control.
0: Yeah, and I've heard you say before that we need to act our age. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. It's kind of tough love. You know, you're like, <laughs> act your age. Like, you're a 35-year-old woman. Like, get it together and don't have a temper tantrum. <laughs> um, and they... And they are acting their age. And I think that that's important to realize too. Like it's actually developmentally appropriate for a two-year-old to have a meltdown and a temper tantrum. And they're just, their brains are developing and they're learning and they're acting their age and we need to act our age. So I've loved that you've um, taught that. And that stayed with me at moments when I'm tempted to just give in to my emotions and Acts act like a five- year old <laughs> So so being in control of ourselves is the principle that we're going to talk about. and but how do we do it? It's really hard when, in real life um, when there's, you know, tempers are rising and kids are yelling and siblings are fighting. So how do we stay in control of ourselves? What are what's your first takeaway um, or strategy that we can use?
1: Yeah. So the first strategy that I think um, will start us off on the right track is to pay attention to the right story and make sure that we're listening to the right story when our children are behaving in a way that we don't like. So whose story are you listening to? Are you listening to their story or are you listening to your story? And when we're listening to our own story, it might sound like, I'm so tired or I'm starving right now or, I have way too much on my plate right now. Why are they acting like this when I have to get all of this stuff done and we have to get out the door? So don't turn a child's problem into an adult problem by listening to the wrong story. And, and another way to listen to the wrong story is are you feeling angry because um, your daughter is ignoring you because you were ignored as a child when you were little, and you deserve the respect now as an adult to be paid attention to. So there's other trigger things like that that you're extra sensitive, sensitive to and um, are prone to behaviors in yourself because of your own story as a child and what was modeled for you. And so just make sure that you are listening to your child's story and not turning their problem into your problem and allowing you, yourself to separate your emotions that way and to um, uh, really make sure that you're responding to how they need you to respond.
0: Right. Because they're not thinking about your how you're hungry and tired. They're not purposely trying to make your life difficult. Um, they have their own story and I love that, that distinction between your story and their story. So what strategy, like, how do you do that in the moment when you're angry? Do you just, like, say that in your mind? Like, does that sort of become a mantra? Listen to their story or listen to the right story? How do you remind yourself of that principle?
1: Yeah, I'll say, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll tell myself, listen to their story. And, um, and it, it just kind of... It's actually really fun in a way. I know that sounds weird, but it it is really fascinating to separate yourself away from their behavior and to just kind of analyze what's going on with them instead of what is going on with you and what's bugging you about their behavior. So instead saying, man, I need to punish this behavior. This behavior is driving me crazy. Instead say, what does she need? What does she need to be taught? What 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 triggered this? What was the prompt to this? Hmm. And then thinking in a proactive way of how you could do better, at teaching them so that it didn't happen again.
0: mm mm-hmm. And that's great. So I actually um, went to some counseling several years ago for an eating disorder. But I feel like so many of the things that I learned are widely applicable to life, um, and. I will be sharing more about that on the podcast eventually. But one of the things that I learned was just having coping statements when you're feeling stressed out, Um, like little pithy sayings or statements that you just repeat and they become sort of like your touchstones or your mantras. Um, And one of those could be this phrase, listen to listen to their story or listen to the right story. So when you feel this anger rising and you recognize it. you just start saying to yourself, listen to the right story, listen to the right story to kind of mm-hmm. yourself and bring and bring it back down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I love that. Um, and then what is your second takeaway? Of what we can do.
1: Yeah. The second big uh, principle that you can apply to being in control of yourself is to use time to your advantage. Now notice I don't say use timeouts to your advantage, but using time to your advantage is a very positive and it's a very loving thing to do. Time is really gentle and it's a safe gift that we can give to our kids. It's a healer. Time heals things in a miraculous way that um, we cannot do. And, and so often we forget to use it as an amazing parenting tool. So, Use time to create calm. When we are angry and we're frustrated and we're confused or we're just basically like at our wits end, it's really difficult to make good, sound, clear-headed decisions. We can't do it because our brains are actually thinking in a different section than um, in the place where they should think. And in fact, it's it's scientifically proven that our IQs go down when we're angry. So, um, not only does, um, our children, not only do they need, um, to be calm, to be taught, but we need to be calm, to be the teacher. Mm -hmm. We cannot, um, teach in a way that is connecting with our child when we're angry, but we so want to do it, right? Like we want to monologue. We want to (laughs) like tell them what's what and why it's bugging us and, um, what they can do better, but if we can use time to serve our family, we can manage our composure. We can maintain it and we can demonstrate to our children that we are in control of ourselves and that our home is a stable and safe environment no matter what. When emotions are really high and there's a lot of anger, you can model using time to your advantage by saying, hey honey, like, I can tell that you're really upset right now and I'm starting to feel upset too. And I apologize for that. And I don't want to say anything in anger that I would feel sorry for. So why don't you go to your room and I'll go to mine and we'll both get ready for bed. And then let's come back in about 10 minutes and we'll talk about this because I know that I need to calm down and we both need time to think clearly. So in that situation you're modeling self-control and you're always allowing your love for your child to shine through instead of being angry and feeling like you need to punish a behavior Mm-hmm.
0: so it's not the same as getting angry and kind of throwing them in their room for that time yeah. out it's more of taking a break so that you can calm down yeah both of you can calm down Um, and what do you do if they're resistant to that? Like if they won't go or they melt down into a puddle on the floor and start kicking and screaming, how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah. So you can remove yourself from the situation. You can um, go to your room, uh, Mm -hmm. any way that you can give yourself and your child time. And something that I think is a hiccup for a lot of parents is they will stay with their child when their child is screaming and yelling and they feel like, well, if I just stay here, I'm giving my child my calm. But majority of the time, that's like a really high level of parenting skills. And majority of the time, it's the other way around where the child is giving you their anger. So it is affecting your emotions. And so what you need to do is to remove yourself from the situation so that nothing happens to where there's kind of like a knee-jerk response or like a, that's it, you know, I've had it type of a snap and we don't want that to happen. So remove yourself. If the child's too big, I never would recommend trying to physically move the child because that could lead to disaster, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like him kicking you or punching you or something like that. So one thing actually that works really well with my kids, if you have like, um, you know, a relative level of mutual respect in your home. If you can say to your child, would you like to go to your room by yourself or would you like me to help you? Um, and giving them choice. So they feel like they are in control of something. Um, uh, usually they'll just choose to go by themselves because they don't want to be babied. They don't want you to help them to go. They want to make that decision for themselves. So they'll just go up by themselves. Um, but if they're too big, you can't move them. My child, my my three-year-old, I can pick her up gently and take her to her room and put her in her chair and, and and tell her to wait there until she feels calm and, and then to come out when she's ready. But if they're Mm. too, too big, I would just leave them, um, leave them and remove yourself and remove yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like I've, um, had some practice applying this one because I have a hot tempered son (laughs) and, um, I have found with him that first of all, this really helps to take, you know, I just say we both need to take a break. That's what we call it. And um, I used to put him, we we used to, you know, I'd put him in his room where he would walk to his room and then he would rage in there and scream and throw things. And um, it would escalate a lot of times, which sometimes I'm like, they may need that to just, you know, rage it all out. But something that's really worked with him is giving him something to do in there, like some calming strategy to help him to learn how to calm down. So what works for him is he loves listening to audio books and stories. So when I can tell that he's really angry or upset or overstimulated, I'll say like, you need to take a break, go like, go lay on your bed. And I I'll turn on an audio story for him and say, when the story's over, why don't you come out and we can talk about it? And so it kind of takes his mind off of his anger. So he's not just in there getting more and more and more angry. He's kind of like distracted and calming down and he comes out and he's ready to talk. So that has really worked for him. He's six. Um, and that has been a big shift in our home.
1: I love that. That really, um, helps him to get their brains in the right mode and helps them to calm down uh it gives them a, a a focal point and i that's a really great strategy.
0: Yeah. I cuz i do feel like it's like what am i supposed to do in here you know. So i need to find some something for my 3 year old that works as well too cuz i'll take her in there and say you need to take a break come out when you're ready and she she doesn't quite know she's not she just runs right back out. So do you have any ideas for that of Um, for a three-year-old, something that she could do in the, in her room or, um, how do you, does she just, does your three-year-old just calm down on her own in
1: there? You know, I think that because she has older siblings that she's watched do this, um, behavior, uh, she knows she's seen it modeled for her. So she knows what to do. And that's what I tell. I've had a lot of questions about this recently because I just did an Insta story about it. Um, that they ask, like, what do I do? Same kind of question. And it is a learned behavior for them to stay in their room. Um, And so you can teach them this in a very deliberate way when they're happy, not when they're (laughs) in their time out or whatever you're using time. Don't do it um, when they're upset. Don't try to get them to stay in there. But do it through role play when they're happy and practice and talk to them about how their room is safe and how their room is a place for them to feel peace and feel calm. And I love the idea of giving them something to do, like um, look through these few books or um, sing the ABCs three times or um, walk around your room five times or anything like that where it's giving them something to do. Um, Some kids just need to sit on their chair or sit on their bed and hold their blankie and, you know, uh, so any kind of uh, soothing Mechanism that will help them, and you know your child best. So just um, use your knowledge to help you ins- be inspired to how to help best them to give them s- skills and tools to where they can teach themselves that they are capable of calming themselves down. That it's within them, and that they can they can do it. And to help recognize, um, help them to recognize themselves. Like oh, like afterwards say how does that feel inside what does it feel like oh do you, that feels peaceful does it feel warm does it feel safe do you feel safe and um talk about that and say how proud you are that they came down from that and it didn't take long at all and 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 make sure that you're giving them lots of connection empathy and compassion before and afterwards so that it, it doesn't feel like they like a punishment it feels instead right. like It's something that you're doing because you love them.
0: Mm -hmm. And have you seen, since you have older kids now too, um, have you seen this pay off? Like, are your older children able to do this on their own? Do they ever just say like, I need to go, I'm upset. Like I need to go take a break or I need to go lay down or have, do they sort of have their own coping mechanisms now?
1: Absolutely. Yes. They um, I have a child that goes from zero to sixty really fast, and so um, she will just stomp up the stairs and slam that door. <laughs> and and she, she does it on her own. She, she, so said- she just does it on her own, and mm-hmm. um, and she's just learned that that that's a safe place to just to just scream and yell and and have it out and um cu- and to come back when you're feeling better.
0: And, and actually this is, um, I mean, our overarching principle for the podcast is be in control of yourself as a parent and you're teaching, you're teaching your kids how to do that. So when they're parents, they may not struggle as much as we have struggled, or at least I have struggled um, to manage their emotions and their anger with their own children. So that's awesome that it's training them now to have these skills later. And then what is your third takeaway?
1: So my last takeaway is something that I talk about a lot on my Instagram feed, and that is to model being happy. And the reason why that works so well with not yelling is because the best way to change the entire mood in the home is to change yours. Mm-hmm. And so I think that yelling is a very reactive um it's, very, it's a very reactive way of parenting. But being happy is very, it's very proactive. It's something that um, we are doing purposefully to be in control of our environment. And when we're grumpy and we feel grumpy, we act grumpy as parents, that's just a, a recipe for a very grumpy household. Um, but when we feel grumpy inside, but we're still saying quiet, calm, and kind things. Our children are not absorbing our, our adult problems and turning them into ch- children's problems. And so it just really creates this, um, behavioral momentum going in a positive direction. If you can just model being happy and, um, giving your children that 10 per top 10% of who you are. And I like to use the example of a friend of mine who was videotaping a birthday party. And she remembers that she felt really frustrated and upset about something that had happened, but she was bottling being happy in the video and just being a good hostess and saying kind things to everybody and helping the kids with the activities. Um, and so she said, I know that inside I felt really frustrated. I felt grumpy, but on the video, you can't even tell. And everybody is happy. Like nothing was ruined about the birthday party because she was upset. And so I think that that is why this concept is so hard for adults is that we feel like we're swallowing it and that we have to kind of wallow in our own, um, self, uh, negativism and, uh, and there's no place for it to go. But um, what I say all the time is it's not really how you feel that matters. It's how you behave that matters. And I mean, isn't that what we're trying to teach our children all the time? Like, I know you're upset, but you can't hit your brother. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, as parents, we have to model that. If a dad comes home from work and he's had a terrible day at work and he you know, lashes out at everybody like, and is grumpy with the kids and tells them to leave him alone and stuff like that. What is that teaching your child? So, so many times a parent will come to me and say, Oh, my child, you know, is yelling at me or like has, you know, anger management issues. And actually, you know, their dad also has anger management issues. So instead of you know, yelling at your child if you've had a bad day at work, coming home and modeling for your child what you can do, like saying to your child, man, I had a really bad day at work today, but, but I'm going to do 10 push-ups. And Man, that like helps, that helps get that energy out. So here, come on, son, let's do the, these 10 push-ups together. And they do the 10 push-ups together. You're modeling how to behave. You're modeling how to funnel your emotions in a way that is healthy and we set the standard for behavior in our home, all behavior, whether that's, you know, road rage or um, saying hi to a neighbor across the street or liking the dinner that you're eating, even though you don't love it, or just any kind of way that we're learning to look for being happy and, and what we can be happy about kind of like picking out out of all the things that are going on, how we can channel, our behavior into looking for things that are happy.
0: I love that. And I love your example of um, the dad and the push-ups. with, yeah. <laughs> because I feel like I am so it's just my personality. I'm like, we need to be real. Like we need to. And so there's a part of me that feels like averse to the idea of modeling being happy when you're not like, I'm like, I want um, my kids to know that it's okay to be sad and upset and, um, all those, all those feelings, you know, and they, they don't always have to be happy, but I see what the distinction that you're making here of, even if they're feeling negative emotions, they don't deserve to have negative behavior as a result. Right. And so the dad can acknowledge to the son, I had a really tough day. Um, this is what I'm going to do to try to help myself get, you know, get up from it. I'm going to do the pushups or Um, we as moms can say, I'm having a really discouraging hard day. I need to lay down for 15 minutes. What would you guys like to do while I take my break? You know, would you like to watch a show or color or whatever? Yeah. So you're explaining to them that these other emotions are okay to feel and natural and all those things, but that they don't need to then take it out on the people around them. They can do something else with those emotions.
1: Right. And I think another thing that's important to remember is to not put your child in control of your emotions. So you can say, oh, um, I'm, I'm feeling disappointed. Like, you know, I, I'm feeling disappointed. You Instead of saying, um, you have disappointed me. Mm-hmm. Or you are making me crazy, or or um, you know, it, um, all of a sudden your your child is the authority, your child is the boss of you. So be be careful about how you say it, and um, you know, even modeling things where you see your own child struggling with it, like uh, for example, what you're eating for dinner. Uh, you could say, oh, <laughs> you know, I I really don't love this combination of food this is not my favorite but hey i i like rice so i'm just gonna eat the rice Mm, this rice is really good so you're teaching them again with the push-ups like how to channel uh your emotions in a way that are are going in a positive direction
0: Mm -hmm. instead
1: of wallowing in that swamp of negativity we don't want to be there we don't want to live there so figure out a way to where you're picking out the good things and modeling some skills of how to do that.
0: Well, thank you so much, Ralphie. This has been so helpful. And I did want to tell you something that a friend of mine um, said when I told her I was interviewing you. She said that she's been following you for about six months and she feels like her um, parenting has changed so much for the better. And she said, I just know that someday – my children are going to thank Ralphie um, for what she taught me because she's made me a better mom and they're going to be grateful to her for that. Oh, I just thank thought,
1: you. Yeah, That's that so kind.
0: Beautiful and just a real testament to the good work that you're doing. So keep it up and thank you for um, bringing your influence here to the 3 30 community of listeners.
1: Of course. My pleasure
0: isn't Ralphie so wise? You definitely need to go to at simply on purpose on Instagram and follow her feed. I also wanted to apologize that the sound quality on this podcast isn't as good as the others because I am in a hotel room. I went to a branding workshop yesterday to try to define my why for the podcast and how I'm going to move forward. It was really informative and a great experience, especially this early on as I'm getting things going. So, this week, I hope that you will think about Ralphie's three takeaways as you engage with your children. And if you start to feel your temperature rising, remember first to listen to the right story, and you can say that as a mantra to yourself when you get upset listen to their story, listen to the right story and remember to try to remove yourself from your own story and your own frustration and figure out what maybe their story is and how you can help them work through it. Second, use time to create calm. So giving your kids that break that they need in their room or whatever place is best for your family so that you can both calm down and then talk it out when you're in a better mental state. And maybe you can use the tip that I included about giving them something to do to help them while they're calming down, such as listening to an audiobook or coloring or um, snuggling with a favorite blankie as they are trying to calm down. And takeaway number three model being happy. Show them what it looks like to be happy, focus on the positive. And even when you're feeling those emotions that aren't so positive, that's okay. Acknowledge them, explain that to your kids, but don't take it out on them. Show them what to do with those emotions and how to work through those. And moms, don't feel guilty for how things have been in your home. Just think about how things can be and will be in the future now that you're learning these new tools. I wanted to end by sharing a quote that I learned yesterday at the branding workshop that I went to. It's by Maya Angelou and it says, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. I know you are all doing great work in your homes. I know that it is hard work and that you're doing your best. And now that you know better, do better. Let's all have a great week with our kids, and I'll see you next Monday for the podcast.